Fantastic. It's great to be uh, with you again. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the elders here, in case you uh, are new to us. If you have a Bible, you're going to need to turn to uh, Exodus chapter 28. We're going to sort of cover three chapters of the Bible, but we're not going to look at all of them, uh, all of it in detail. We're going to look at a few verses at the beginning of 28 and uh, a few of the beginning of 31. But turn to Exodus chapter 28. And while you're doing that, we're going to we're going to play a, a short game. Uh, I can't really see you very well, but um, I'm going to assume that everyone is going to do this. So I want you to copy what I'm doing. Oh, I can see now. I can see over there. There's a, a screen. So if you've got a camera, I want you to copy what I'm doing. So can you do this? Can you do this? What about this? One hand up. Little teapot. That's quite fun for me to watch, so I thought that would be interesting to see. But well done if you copied along. But enough of that, we're going to get back to Exodus. Uh, we'll talk about that later. This morning, we're looking at another call of God. And I want you to see if you can spot it as we read together. So we're going to read, uh, we're not going to read everything as I said, but we're going to start at chapter 28 and we're going to uh, read through to the ver first verse, 11 verses of uh, chapter 31. So I'm going to read the first three verses of chapter 28. Uh, they'll come up on the screen, but if you've got a Bible, you can follow along. It says this, Then bring near to you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful, skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of skill that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and with intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Asimach, and the, of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. Uh, the tent of meeting, the ark of testimony, the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, the pure lampstand with all its uh, utensils, the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the base of its stand and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons, for their service as priests, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. I wonder if you were able to spot uh, a few key words, a, a couple of key words that popped up a few times there. We're looking this morning at God calling us to serve. The last few weeks, across the last few weeks, starting uh, when we began to look at the law of God, we've been looking at God calling his people to holiness, calling us to generosity, calling us to relationship, and now to service. Service to God and service to other people. This is what the call of God is. When God places a call on your life, when he calls you to be in relationship with him, it's a call to service. It always has been. When God called Abraham back in Genesis, he said that he would bless him and make, him into, make his descendants into a mighty nation so that they could bless the other nations, so that they could be a blessing to the world. God calls his people to serve. 
God calls us to serve. We see this back in Exodus when they're being the Israelites are coming out of Egypt, when Moses goes to uh, Pharaoh to say, let, let God saying, let my people go. It's for this purpose. The Lord says to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. And in a similar way that the Israelites were brought out of slavery into a, a position of freedom in order to serve God, Jesus has brought us out of slavery to sin and into the service of righteousness. Romans 6, uh, Paul says that we're, we're actually slaves of righteousness now. We're, we used to be slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to God. We're, we've got a new master. We've got a new uh, person giving us instruction and direction. And as a church, we, we really want to press into this. We want to dial into this. And we have these eight core values that we talk about. And one of those is service. And we say, we say this, we're building a culture of service where we imitate Jesus who took on the nature of a servant, choosing to surrender our lives as instruments to God for him to use as he sees fit. Surrendering our lives as instruments to God for him to use as he sees fit placing his will above our own and building community by serving others using the gifts God enables in each of us through the Holy Spirit. So God calls us to service. So that's one reason why we should serve. But another reason is that uh, it's, a, it's an act of worship. Uh, Oscar Wilde is, quote, is uh, attributed this quote, imitation is the highest form of flattery. And so I feel flattered that you all were willing to imitate me for a period of time. But do you want to worship God? Do you want to flatter Jesus? Then imitate him. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And that's good Christian leaders. Good leaders will say, follow me, but only as I follow Christ. If there's something that I'm doing that isn't what Christ would do, don't, don't imitate that. But imitate me as I imitate Christ. Excuse me. So it's, it's, a, it's a way to worship God. It's a way to be great. Jesus said in Mark 10 that uh, if anyone wants to be great amongst the followers of Jesus, they must be a servant. Whoever would be the first among you must be the slave of everyone. And that's why often when people uh, talk about being a Christian leader, what we're, what we're really talking about is we're being, talking about being a servant, being a servant to other people. Jesus said, for the son of man, Jesus himself came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So do you want to be great? Do you want to be a person of greatness? When people look at you, they go, oh, amazing, amazing. What a guy, what a girl. Then you need to be a servant. You need to be one who serves. And as it's Father's Day, a quick shout out. If you want to be a real man, this is what it takes. According to uh, Jason Wilson in his book, Cry Like a Man, which I've just started reading. It's uh, fantastic uh, so far. But he says this, to be a real man, real manhood is about making mature decisions, living a disciplined life and serving others. That's what true manhood is. So if you want to be a real man on Father's Day, that's what it's about. So maybe that will flip your plans around. You thought you were going to get a cushy day, but maybe you can have a cushy day today and start being a real man tomorrow. But <laughs> um, not happy. But if you want to worship God, if you want to be great, and if you want to be a real man or a real woman, I think it's applicable both ways. But um, 
then what you need to do is be someone who serves. What we need to do is be someone who serves. I want to be great. I want someone to say he lived a great life. And so I want to serve people as best I can. So that's why, why should we serve? Our lives should be extended series of moments where we're imitating Jesus, where we're, we're following others as they follow Jesus. But how, how can we be those who serve? Well, we serve in different ways. We serve in different ways. We, we, the people of God are called to serve. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're, you've said, I want to follow you, then you need to serve. And so as we've been called as a, as a people to serve God, we're actually given different ways in which to serve. We're given specific areas of service and we serve with different skills. We see here in 1 Corinthians, uh, it says that there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And when we look back at uh, the, the passages that we read together in Exodus uh, chapter 31, it talks about Bezalel and Aholiab uh, as craftsmen. They were given the skill to be craftsmen. That's how God gifted them to serve. And then Aaron and his sons were, were given the gift, the ability to be priests for people. But it was, it was not just for their benefit. It was, it was for the common good, as we just read. And in Exodus 35, it actually says that the, the craftsmen were given the ability to teach others to do the same thing. And that's that's a pattern that we should follow as as followers of Jesus. It's another thing that um, Jesus said is to make disciples, teach, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, which is to make disciples. And we've talked about this before, about the, the generational impact of the gospel, that actually as you make a disciple who you're training them to make disciples, they can train people to a disciple, to make a disciple, to make a disciple. And it goes on. And that's really the only reason why any of us are here is because someone has done that along the line. When God calls to service, he equips and resources us to fulfill what he is calling us to do. So you might have a different role, but you can still serve. We, we have different roles, but we still serve. Service to God is enabled by the Spirit of God, as we just read. And there are a variety of gifts that the Spirit gives as he determines. Everyone is given a gift. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each of us is given a gift in order to serve one another. Paul goes on in this passage in uh, 1 Corinthians to talk about the image of a body, that actually the church is like a body, that there are, you might be a hand and you might be really practical, you might be able to get hands on with something, or you might be an eye, you might see things. But actually, if the whole body was a hand or the whole body was an eye, it wouldn't be a very healthy or effective body. And so whatever gift you've been given is to serve the body. The hand isn't just looking out for itself, but actually the hand reaches and gets food and puts it in the mouth, which fuels the body. What is your gift and how do you use it? Do you know what your gift is? Your gift, it might be contextual. You might be in one area of life, you're a teacher. And in another area of life, you're a, a practical person. You're sort of, you're serving in a different way. But actually, we all have gifts that God has given us or is waiting to give to us that enable us to serve one another. So we're called and we're enabled to serve in different ways in order. For what purpose? The purpose of it is to serve for the glory of God 
and the good of others. And this is important because motivation matters. Now, I've talked previously about motivation versus discipline and how discipline will trump motivation uh, in the long run. But actually, motivation is important and it matters. And I'm talking about the why of doing something, not a moment of I feel motivated, but why am I doing this at all? And uh, there's a picture here of a curtain rail. And uh, when I'm agitated uh, or a bit sort of stressed, maybe I tend to get productive. Um, and there was a period of time, uh, an instance where uh, Megan and I had had a, a disagreement about something and I was feeling agitated. And so I sort of remembered all of the DIY things that I hadn't done that I said I would do. And so I got productive. And I started doing them. And there was a particular curtain rail that had been waiting to be put up. And Megan said to me after she said, I, I waited to talk to you until you'd finished uh, doing the curtain rail uh, because I knew like if, if once we'd sort of calmed down, you might forget about it again. But I, I've trained myself. I've tried to discipline myself that when I'm agitated, I'll get I'll do something productive. I'll I'll, I'll go, OK, right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to stack the dishwasher. Or I'm going to unload that or I'm going to wash that up. And those are good things to do. It's good to do those things um, or I'll do the DIY jobs that have been sitting on my list for six months. But the reality is those aren't if I did those things from a different motivation, not because I was I needed to outwork some frustrations, but because I was doing those as an act of service. The motivation is important. It's better to do them as an act of service than to do them as a, an act of frustration. So motivation matters. And our motivation for service is to, to glorify God and to benefit other people, to spread the gospel and the kingdom of, of Jesus Christ, to, to build up the health and unity of the church. We glorify Christ through building up each other, through creating a healthy church. We glorify God through uh, spreading the, the word of God, spreading the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus and extending the kingdom, praying for people, uh, surrendering areas of our lives. That's how we glorify God. Moses, uh, Aaron, Aaron's sons, uh, Bezalel, Aholiab were called to serve, not for their own benefit, not for their own glory, but in order to benefit others and to glorify God. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4. The call of a follower of Christ is to follow Christ, to emulate Jesus. Philippians 2 goes on to say, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We're to follow Jesus in emptying ourselves, not grasping for equality with one another, but humbling ourselves and saying, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to defer to you. I'm going to count you as more significant than me. That's the, the way it's meant to operate within the church. And that's not because you think poorly of yourself. That's not because you think, oh, I'm so rubbish. They're obviously, everyone's much more important than me. Jesus didn't think poorly of himself. Jesus knew who he was. He was the son of man. He called himself, I'm the son of man. I'm the son of God. He, he knew who he was. He didn't think poorly of himself. 
It's about being humble, true humility. And this is what C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity about true humility. Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, that he will be what most people call humble. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he's nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. If anyone would like to acquire humility, I can think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. And it's a biggish step too, at least nothing whatever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are con very conceited indeed. I'm just going to read that last sentence again. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. That's C.S. Lewis from uh, the book Mere Christianity. And so I want to ask you a question. Are you humble? Do you consider yourselves, uh, consider others more significant than yourself? Are you looking at how to bless and serve others or looking at how you can bless and serve yourself? Instead of thinking, what do I want? Thinking, what do they need? What do they want? I know that I'm sure most of us would would say it's true that other people's needs are more important than my wants. I'm sure most of us would agree with that. If someone has a need for food, that's more important than my want of a second helping. How would your life look differently if your wants came below someone else's wants? How would that change your family? What, what does your family want to do? What does your husband or wife or children, what do they want? And that's more important than what you want. How would it change your workplace? That what your colleagues want or what your boss wants or what your employees want is more important than what you want. Again, how would your marriage work if your spouse's wants were your spouse's, 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 your husband or wife's wants were more important than yours? How would that change? How could you change someone else's life? What do you want versus what they want? Now, I'm I'm being deliberately provocative to say that about your wants. And I think discretion, uh, I often uh, I love to say discretion is the better part of valor. You know, you, I'm not saying to you, uh, we're going to give in a few uh, moments to Zimbabwe. I'm not saying put yourself in, in debt in order to give to them. That's that's not sensible. That's not using wisdom. So we need to use wisdom to this. But I want to press the word of God into us a little bit here. Consider others as more significant than yourselves. I'm sure when you look at the Garden of Gethsemane, you can see Jesus's want on one level was was not to have to endure. But he said, no, God, your will, not mine. If you've just thought just a, a little thing in your head, if you have thought I can use this line, I can use this on someone, I can say, well, you know, Aaron said on Sunday, your my my wants should be more significant than your wants. You, you've lost. You, you, you've lost it straight away. This is not a line to be used on others, but it's a line to use on yourself. Others are more significant than me. We are called to serve. We're all gifted to serve. 
And that means that we all matter. You matter. You are an essential part of the health of this church, of this family. You are essential to the health and vitality of us, of Christ first. We all matter because we've all been called, we've all been chosen, and God has prepared ways for all of us to serve him and one another. We all matter because, like it or not, we have been grafted together as a body, as a family, as a community. And in many ways, we should be closer than a normal family or community. When we look at uh, the, the response to uh, the COVID-19 or coronavirus or the recent pandemic, whatever terminology you want to use, the community uh, response from across the country has been fantastic to the, to the extent that actually we're having to, people are having to say, no, you can't, you can't sign up to serve anyone anymore. It's all, all the spaces are filled. There's no space to serve anyone. As a church, the church should exemplify that. Should, should display that to a greater degree. We should be closer because we're united by the existence-changing work of Jesus Christ. We're closer because we're not just accepting of the differences that we have, but we celebrate them. We recognize God has given you different gifts. God has made you different to me in order to enrich the family, in order to serve and bless all of us. This means our experience of life is enriched and the differences in culture and experience are able to be expressed through the gifts God has given us individually to bless and enhance each other's life. So I want to invite you to respond to this call to serve from God. God is calling you to serve. And there are, there are four responses. Two are going to be prayer-based and two are going to be uh, Practical is not the right word, but going to be more uh, instantly applicable, I suppose. Even that's not correct, but we give me two prayer responses, two practical responses, and you can understand my vernacular. Uh, the first two are to receive the spirit. If you think, actually, when I read that passage about God putting his spirit into those craftsmen in order to make them able to do those things, I, I want that. I want the spirit of God in me to enable me to serve him. We're going to have an opportunity for you to receive prayer uh, for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you think, actually, I've always wanted to, to serve the church in a particular way, there's going to be an opportunity for you to be prayed for to ask for a specific gift. Or you can pray for that for yourself. You can seek God for your, yourself. And then perhaps a bit more practically, there's going to be there's two opportunities here. One is to give financially to Zimbabwe there's this offering that we're taking up that's going to go to uh, the disciple nation sphere and be uh, used for various projects that they're doing at the moment um, and the, the other option is to sign up to serve now as it stands on a Sunday morning uh, my wife and I and my, my, my children we've been doing the kids work we've been filming a video and putting that up um, but there will come a time when that is not going to be the case. And actually, even now, you could say, Aaron, do you know what? I'd love to do that. I'd love to record a video for the children telling them about a part of the Bible story, part of God's call and message to them. You can sign up for teams that we're going to need. I know many of you were signed up already, but actually, as church begins to... And, and as life begins to kick back in, which it may well do over the next few months, we're going to need people to serve. And even now, we need people to serve by uh, volunteering. Again, the, the, those initial uh, wave of volunteers to serve the community, 
I think the, the, the wave has come in and it's gone going back out. So there's an opportunity to, to, to be involved and go, actually, now I'm going to get stuck in. I, I'm uh, registered with the Watford uh, District and Three Rivers uh, thing to, to make phone calls. And so I, I, I've got a person that I phone a couple of times a week just to make sure they're OK. And, and you can sign up for those things. Uh, there's there's other things that we would love to do as a church. We'd love to run uh, an online alpha. And so if that's something you're interested in, you can sign up to serve with that. You can email me or the church office and say, I want to be involved in that. You can serve your brothers and sisters in this church family when it's time to serve again. So there's going to be uh, two prayer rooms. So if you want to uh, just say like in the chat, number one or number two, number one to receive the spirit for the first time, Number two, ask for a specific gift. There'll be uh, some people that will pray with you uh, for that. But before that happens, uh, we're going to um, go to uh, Steve Leonard, who's going to lead us in praying for Zimbabwe. And then uh, we're going to have a moment where we're just going to stop and individually pray uh, after Steve has prayed for uh, Zimbabwe. And then we're, we're going to uh, take up this special offering. I know many of you have already given. Uh, so the mechanisms for that, you should have got an email yesterday. You can send a WhatsApp message uh, to the church office number. You could email the church office or in the chat window, there is uh, in Zoom, if you're able to do this, there's a, a, an account called Zim Offering. And if you send a message privately to them, not not to the whole group, we're not asking you to do that, but just privately to them. If you're not able to, you don't feel comfortable doing any of those things, then you can speak to uh, call Lorraine or the, the office or myself afterwards, and we'll help you uh, to do that. But we're going to hand over to Steve now, who's going to lead us in prayer. Mm -hmm.